Welcome to Morning Coffee with Jesus. I'm Rebecca and I'm here to bring you a cup of encouragement. Have you ever heard the Boston song called More Than a Filling? If you haven't, that's okay because we're going to find out that love is more than a filling. do you say I love you or I love that? The word love is used so lightly these days that it's becoming devalued more and more with each passing year. There are three different types of people in the world. First, those people who love everything. I love my car, I love my dog, I love my house, I love my food. And then we have those other people who tend to never use the word love. And lastly, we have those other people who, when they say love, it has a deeper meaning. It's used so different and so uniquely that when people hear it, they say, wow, that's not normal. I want to share with you today a little bit about love and how it's more than a feeling. In 1 John 2, 15 through 16, it tells us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Think about that scripture for just a second. It told us three different things that the world has, and they tend to consider those things love. And we're going to find out as we continue on today about what the Word of God says is true, genuine love. But let's look at it from a world standpoint right now. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Let's break these down into a little bit more detail. But before we do that, if you're new to this channel and you need some weekly encouragement, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming videos. Like that verse we were just reading, the first part says, if any man loves. Well, when we're talking about this kind of love, it means to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly of a thing, or to even just be pleased with. Now, if this is the type of love that it's talking about, where we're entertaining the idea of whatever it is we're saying we love, we're welcoming these things into our homes, into our lives, we have to understand what are we saying. Well, lust simply means a desire. It's a craving or a longing for something that is forbidden. So what are some things that people tend to lust for? When we think of lust of the flesh, we can go to food. I think this is one of the biggest thing our flesh has a problem with. We see food, we smell food, we want it, right? We can taste it before we even have it in our hands. So we can actually lust over food. You can lust over things as well. When we think about lusting of the eyes, these are things that obviously our eyes can see. Naturally in the world, people tend to go to appearance, so it's more of a person that they would lust after. Pride of life could fall into the category of fame or power. So why is this so important? 
Because in order for us to know what love is and are we really in love or are we in lust, we have to know the three different types of things that people are after in the world and is it a bad thing to want those things. Well, we just read in that scripture, those types of things are of the world. Well, the Word of God also tells us that we're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be different, right? We're transformed. People should be able to tell the difference between us and the world. They should know that we have a light on the inside of us, that we're the salt and the light of this world. Not because we're so great and wonderful, but because God lives on the inside of us and we're a reflection of him. See, Satan knows that lust is something that he can use to lure people away and get them into a mess. How do I know this? Think about marketing right now in our world. You can turn on the television, a commercial can pop up, and what are you most likely going to see? Well, you know the saying, sex sells. And sadly, people are falling for this over and over again. The enemy has tried to enrich and make things appealing to our flesh and to our eyes. Did you know that Satan even tried this with Jesus? Matthew 4, 1 through 11 tells us when Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and he was so hungry. Well, Satan knew what his physical body was going through and that he wanted food. So in verse 3, it tells us, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Well, naturally, he wanted to turn those stones to bread. Why? Because he was here on the earth as a man. And if you went without food for, let's say, three days, maybe even one day, your body is talking to you. It wants food bad. Well, Jesus was in that same position, and the enemy knew that he could attack him at a moment when he was weak. So he was coming to him, trying to get him to do something when he knew that Jesus wasn't supposed to do it. He was instructed to go on this fast, right? So if he would have gave in, he would have been stepping away from the instructions that his father gave him, and he would have given in to the temptation that the enemy was trying to lure him into. But I love Jesus' answer. In verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Think about that for just a second. Jesus responded with the word. Did you know that anytime that Satan comes and attacks you and tries to come against your body, against your finances, against your relationship, against any part of your life, you can come out victorious by simply speaking the word. And not just any word, God's word. As we continue reading this verse, we're going to find out that just because Jesus was able to resist him once didn't stop him from trying again a second time. In verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, 
and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. What just happened here? Satan is now quoting scripture. Did you know that Satan knew the Bible too? That's why it's vital that we know the word for ourselves. Don't just take someone else's word for it or your pastor or some minister that you heard and say, okay, I know that scripture. This is what I believe. This is what I'm standing on. You have to read it for yourself. Why? Satan just took a scripture and quoted it to Jesus. Now, if we don't know the verse that comes before or the verse that comes after and Satan just takes one part of a scripture, we can say, oh yeah, I remember that scripture. That is the truth. That must be God. We have to be mindful of was the scripture taken out of context and who's talking to me right now. Because if Jesus didn't know what the word really said, then he would have taken that word, believed it, and ended up doing something that would have completely jeopardized our future. But thankfully, he also knew the word. In verse 7, it says, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Did you see what just happened? Jesus also took the word and reminded Satan, you know what the word also says? And told him why he wouldn't do what he was asking him to do because he also knew that the word said something else as well. Verse 8, we find the enemy comes back again a third time to tempt Jesus. He's not backing down. It says again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Think about this. Jesus was able to resist the devil every single time, not by his own power and by his own might, but because he knew the word of God. This should get you excited this morning because if Jesus was able to resist the enemy and he was born as a man here on earth, had feelings and emotions and went through some of the same things that we're going through right now, this should give you hope. We can also find in James 4, 7, it says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Just like Jesus resisted the devil, it wasn't because he was all holy and all powerful. It was because he first submitted to God. How do we know that? Well, we can look back at his response to Satan. If he would have been responding with his flesh or by his emotions, he would have replied with a me or an I. But what did he do instead? He brought the attention back to God and drew on his strength instead of his own. Why? Well, he'd been fasting for 40 days, so he was weak, he was hungry. So you can imagine that bread really sounded good. Think naturally with me for a second. If you were to go on a diet 
and your favorite food was setting in front of you, your flesh would say, let's take a bite. We have to draw on God in order to stand firm and keep resisting no matter how good it looks or sounds. Lust and love are very different. 1 John 4, 7 through 10 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He's telling us to love one another. Well, we cannot love others if first we don't know what love is. Well, in that verse we just read, it tells us God is love. So in order for us to have that true, genuine kind of love, we have to first realize that love is not a feeling. It's a person. So we find out how to love by getting closer to love himself, getting closer to God, finding out how he works, how he operates, how he talks, how he demonstrates love. 1 Corinthians 13 is considered the love chapter. And I want to read it to you, but I want to look at it from two different perspectives. Look at it from God's type of love and the world's type of love. The first part of this verse says love is patient. Well, that's God kind of love. So we're going to do it from a side-by-side standpoint. God's love is patient. The world's love is impatient. God's love is kind. The world's love is hateful. It says, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. God's love does not envy. The world's love is full of jealousy. God's love does not parade itself or boast. The world's love always boasts about itself. God's love is not puffed up or proud. The world's love is prideful. God's love does not behave rudely. The world's love is rude. God's love does not seek its own. The world's love is always looking out for itself. God's love is not provoked or easily angered. The world's love gets angry if someone's mad at them. God's love thinks no evil. The world's love thinks evil thoughts about people. God's love does not rejoice in iniquity. The world's love will tolerate sin and injustice. God's love rejoices in the truth. The world's love gives in to lies. God's love bears all things. The world's love is unable to handle all things. God's love believes all things. The world's love is in disbelief. God's love hopes all things. The world's love doubts all things. God's love endures all things. The world's love, things fade and are short-lived. God's love never fails. The world's love will fail. Love is so much more than a feeling. Our feelings change in a matter of seconds. But God's love is constant. It's never ending. 
It doesn't matter how many times someone wrongs it, love always continues to give, to love, to genuinely be there through it all. Love never gives up. So when you don't feel like you are loved or that you love someone, then we need to get close to love himself. Draw closer to God. We cannot love without God. God is love. And in order for us to demonstrate and experience true love, we have to learn love from the source himself. We all want to be loved and loved in an unconditional way that doesn't put us down, that doesn't think that we're hopeless because of all of our faults and wrongs. But that love that says, I would die for you, even if you choose to reject me and hate me. Love is there 24-7 to comfort, to bring joy, to have fellowship, to laugh with. And that's exactly the kind of love that God offers us every day. Jesus died for you, for me, for everyone in this world. Even the ones who aren't going to church. Even the ones who don't pray. Even the ones who claim to hate God. Why? Because God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus went through with suffering and pain and died on a cross for you and I. He wanted to make it available that we didn't have to go and live the rest of our life in a place that wasn't even meant for you originally. 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. As some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God doesn't want you to continue the rest of this day without having that personal relationship with him. Not because he wants you to do what he tells you to do, but because he loves you and he knows that he has great things in store for your future. Because he loves you and he wants to have fellowship with you. All you have to do in order to have that type of love on the inside of you is to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Make me anew in Jesus' name. Amen. The word of God tells us we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. It's that simple. And if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, let me know. Email me at morningcoffeewithjesus at hotmail.com. You can even mail me a letter at P.O. Box 244 Trenton, Texas 75490. And I know that may be a big step to say, hey, I just accept Jesus into my heart. But I want you to know that you're not alone in this. In fact, I want to send you a gift to let you know how much God loves you and how much I love you. So if you message me today, I will be sending you a gift in the mail. I want you to remember that you're never too young or too old to fulfill the call. Thank you for watching and I'll see you next week.